By the time I get to Phoenix, she'll be rising. She'll find the Hey everyone, my name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And I'm Sarah Sentry. Welcome to another special episode of Make Ours Marvel, we like to call Not Comics. This is our 24th Not Comics special, where we are going to be finishing dun, 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 the X-Men franchise of films as it stands right now. Oh, I am tired. A long and winding road. Right. Gosh. <laughs> I feel like I've been to the past and the future and back again. And you literally have. <laughs> I feel like the 80s were just in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that is what it feels like, isn't it? <laughs> the the sad and unfortunate irony is that we are recording this on the night that New Mutants was definitely, yes, going to premiere until the apocalypse happened. Right, for real this time. It was going to happen, and then it did not happen. Because yeah. even the whole language around it leading up was... If it doesn't get rescheduled again, and then people, you know, obviously they had to reschedule it, and everybody was like, <laughs> It did get rescheduled again. I'm pretty sure this virus happened just so they could reschedule it. Honestly, it's starting to look like a little bit of a conspiracy, isn't it? <laughs> yep. So, we, you know, this is, this is going to come out in a week, so life probably hasn't changed a whole lot like it. Like, our weekly episodes, we record pretty far in advance, so it's possible that, you know, the status of life might be different by the time that episode comes out. But this is going to come out next week, so things are pretty much, you know, we're social distancing, we're all living in our homes, except for Mike, who has a job where people still, like, go somewhere. Mm -hmm. But we do have six feet between us on this call. <laughs> yes. We're I have there. two, Mike has two, and Sarah has two. Mm -hmm. So between us, that's six. Mm -hmm. That was my terrible joke. For the <laughs> I, was, I, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Off to a great start. All right. So, um, you know what that meant, though, is that the New Mutants special was going to be number 25. That would have been cool. Oh, no. And now it's not. Well, now we don't even know what 25 is because it's not going to be Black Widow either. Yeah, we I don't know. even know what New Mutants number stay, is going to be. Stay tuned to the end of this episode to find out what number 25 is as we make it up. Yes, yeah, I have ideas. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, we normally start with first impressions from our memories of when we saw this. Mm -hmm. But Mike, you saw this like two days ago. This is the, how many of these have we done? I don't know. But this is the first one that I have never seen before doing this episode. So, Yeah. This is the first one I saw in the theater. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Um, I thought, boy, isn't it sad when like Last Stand is better? <gasps> That's what I Shut thought. Shut your mouth. No, I really, I think I enjoyed Last Stand much more. It was just more fun. This was just kind of like, you know, it's weird. It's like the first, what are these guys called again? The, uh, the first class? First class, yeah. That's what I was trying to say. The first class guys are usually more fun than this. Like, this is just all kind of, of course, it's Dark Phoenix. So, yeah, I guess that's a heavy subject matter. But, like, man, we even got, like, denied a Quicksilver or anything. He just gets knocked out in the beginning. It's like there's just no fun, uplifting parts. And the the soundtrack was really 
noticeable, which I kind of hate when that happens. And it was like this somber organ just going and going and going. <laughs> and everybody's just so sad and miserable. And Charles is horrible. And then there's this weird alien stuff that we can get into that I don't understand. And then, yeah, it was like over. It's just like, I think, I don't know. It just wasn't, uh, it was okay. Eh, didn't do much Sarah, more. Sarah, what are your, uh, what are your memories of your first impressions of the film? I went to go see it with my friend Tana and I was so stoked because obviously I just knew going in, it was going to be a shit show. It's (laughs) totally a shit show. Um, I love a a good shit show sometimes, you know, so I thought that this was actually really fun. Um, It's so bleak and like oppressive and there's just so much sad things happening, but Honestly, like I teared up a few times. I thought that it was a pretty touching script in certain points. And the fact that, you know, I mean, I rewatched it for this and because I wrote a not guilty for sci-fi about it where I kind of defended the movie. But um, yeah, (laughs) I watched it again and I was like, okay, this isn't like a twice in six months movie. (laughs) Because the second (laughs) time I watched it, I was kind of like, all right. All uh-huh. right, those those uh-huh. massive plot holes are kind of it's, jumping uh, out at me right now. Um, yeah, but, yeah. you know, the first time I was just honestly happy to see this final chapter. You know, I have had so many mixed feelings about the movies, mostly to the negative. <laughs> and so it was kind of just like, take me out, baby. Like, this is great. Like, end it. I'm going to, like, have a beer while I watch this. Like, <laughs> you know, kind of just celebrating what has been a very long journey through the X-Men films, I guess. So we all knew each other already when this came out because we, we did our last stand recording before this came out so that that episode could release the same weekend. Oh, it was sort of a little bit serendipitous, but also, you know, we're clever. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Smart. (laughs) Um, So when I was going into this, my thought was, okay, We just talked about a lot of the problems with The Last Stand. How is this movie going to address those? Mm -hmm. And I felt like it did. I felt like it addressed a lot of the problems and made an attempt to improve upon them. Um, We talked last month, or the month before actually, how Logan might be our favorite of this whole run. But that's kind of ironic because it breaks all the rules of X-Men films. It's not really an X-Men film. Right. I, I think this one might be my favorite that, is an X-Men film okay. that like, you know, obeys a lot of the rules. So mm-hmm. um, I really, I know the script is bleak that has never turned <laughs> me off to a movie. Um, I mean, I'm a Batman versus Superman stand. So, you know, <laughs> that is how it is. So I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, my son watched it with me this time and he's been with me for all these X-Men films that we've been doing on this show. The ones that he has seen before were too young for him to have remembered seeing them. So this was the first one that he saw. He was like, Oh, I remember this. Cause we only saw it last year. Um, so it was definitely like a rewatch experience for him and he liked it. He enjoyed it. So we had a good time with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so those are my thoughts from seeing it the first time. So where do y'all, uh, where do y'all want to start with this? I mean, we got to start with Jean, right? Sophie Turner, kind of the focal point. Um, And I say only kind of because you would think that she would have a lot more to do with this movie (laughs) once again, where you're kind of like, oh, it's like about her, but she's not really in it uh, that much. And when she is, she's usually at like the behest of somebody else or, you know, she's under Dark Phoenix's control, but she's under the aliens control. But she's like, you know, 
she uh-huh. she doesn't have a lot of room for autonomy in this anymore than she ever has in any of the other takes on Dark Phoenix. Uh, so you know that sucks. But um, as you know, Sophie Turner, I think we talked about already. She's an impressive Jean Grey. She strikes the character pretty well, I think. Um, so yeah, I liked her. I liked her in the role. It's funny after having done all these, you know, two million X Men movies with you, Sarah, and Jean Grey's number one fan. Like, I actually think about that sort of thing now when I'm watching these. And like, yeah, another freaking Dark Phoenix. Like, the only time they ever want to talk about Jean yeah. is when she's going to be freaking Dark Phoenix. And here we are again. And she's possessed. And so she's not really being Jean. And also, even the elements that were about her, like, her dad's really alive. And she killed her parents when she was a kid. Yeah, stuff quite like a that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, But I'm, like, thinking, like, as I watch it, like, that's cool and all, but... Wouldn't that have been cooler if they introduced that like two, three movies ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like it resonates and we care. And then when we meet that her dad's really alive that we only knew about five minutes ago because we've never (laughs) heard anything about Gene's backstory before right Right. now, I would care. And I kind of just didn't. And it was like, yeah. So she looks cool. And, uh, you know, I think she's a good actress. I haven't I'm not really a Game of Thrones guy, so I can't tell you much about her. But, um, yeah, no real character because she's possessed the whole time. She was kind right. of a tour de force in Game of Thrones too. She's, she, I mean, she did that very young, as a, basically a child actress, mm-hmm. and um, aged with that series. And now she's you know an, an adult in this. Um, I love her as Jean. Um, I don't really think that it, there's any reason to compare her with. Uh, it's Famke, right? Famke Jansen. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Go. Oof. I think I said the wrong name on another time. I just want to make sure I have that right this time. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I don't think there's a reason to compare them necessarily because I kind of, when those movies were new, I liked Famke in the role, but I don't know. I love Sophie in the role here. I think that she had a lot more to do in this. Even if she didn't have full agency because obviously the whole plot of the movie is that she's taken over by this external force. Right. Um, I, I, and that's why I phrased my phrasing earlier is that they made an attempt to address some of those things. Uh-huh. Um, she has more to do in this. Mm-hmm. And she has she has sure. more agency and decision over her life but she's a lot of those decisions are how to deal with the fact that i'm being taken over by this force that i also kind of like at a subconscious level so i don't know you know what else like and just to keep talking about her but maybe add in new characters that are related to her like and i'm going to compare last stand which i'm sure if we all listen to our last stand commentary i slam that too so i'm not saying it's the greatest movie in the world but (laughs) if you're going to watch bad movies I kind of like bad movies that are fun because it's like popcorn and you can just rewatch them. Like I could watch last stand (laughs) way more often than I could watch this movie. You know, this movie's like depressing, right? Last stand (laughs) is funny. I'm juggernaut bitch. Woohoo clap. Right. But, but like at least in last stand and Oh God, Wolverine and Oh, Fomka Jensen's only role is to be Wolverine's like, you know, person that he can't get and all that stuff. But there was that dynamic of it really sucks that Wolverine has to be the one to kill her when he loves her. And she's yeah. asking him to kill her and all that. And that's kind of gone from this movie. And it's really weird how, like, we finally get Cyclops for the first time, maybe. <laughs> and he has zero drama about what's going on, it feels like. You know, he's just towing the Xavier line the entire movie. At no point does he go, you freaking jerkhead. You put locks on her head like they gave that to beast for some reason like give that to cyclops you know and like at no point does he argue with anybody like we have to kill her no we don't yes we do like all that drama just seems to be kind of gone and he's just cyclops it was weird (laughs) 
Pops definitely has no internal monologue about it. And whenever Magneto shows up to hurt Jean, he's just like, my favorite part of him in this movie is he just steps <laughs> forward and he's like, I will fucking kill you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yay. <laughs> I love you. Scott. Yeah. That was cool. But that was it. Like, yeah, you don't really get cool very much from him. More of that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, why does he? And oh, and the part where she asks if he's intimidating or intimidated by her, and she or he's like constantly. <laughs> like that was it, kind of my other favorite part. But it, it was it's there. almost like they uh, that he is just there to be Jean's love interest. Yeah, totally. Yeah. He's very much the background character. He has about as much characterization as Gene in like the second movie or something. Right, so, right. So the, the ultimate drama would have been to have Wolverine, Cyclops, and Gene all fighting over who should kill who, right? <laughs> and they didn't do that with Last Stand because they eliminated Cyclops immediately, which was sad. Immediately. And then yes. in this movie, there's no Wolverine. And on top of that, they don't find anybody to replace Wolverine to argue with Cyclops as to whether she should die or not. Right. Even though we have options. We have like Magneto. He could have got into a big long fight with Cyclops about that he wants to kill her, but he wants to kill her for vengeance, not because she needs to be stopped. So that's a whole different drama. Right. Like, I don't know. They just, they, they keep skipping this awesome, delicious, the comic book drama of like, you know, Cyclops and Wolverine fighting. I love her. I love her too. She needs to die. No, she needs to live. That's good stuff. Yeah. And they keep, they keep skipping it. It's weird. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think that something that was really important about Jean's story was that whenever they tried to bring in her parents, it's different from in the comics. And in the comics, she has parents that are very supportive of her. And I think that I like it better when her parents are supportive, even though only terrible things happen to them as a result <laughs> of having Jean Grey as their daughter. Um, but the fact is, is that you could be a really loving family and still not understand your child, right? Like mm-hmm. you could do everything. You could try to meet her, you know, halfway all of the time. But Jean is a very strange person. Besides being immensely powerful, she's also just weird, like intrinsically weird. So it's the fact of, of being born into this wholesome neighborhood and family and household that like really cared about her actively, you know, I think that said something more because the way that she becomes alienated from that. So I always think that that's a much deeper character beat than what they do here, where it's just like, she tragically, you know, die, like almost feels her mom die in her head and stuff like that. Like, and then her dad's alive and doesn't care about her. All of that stuff. I was kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like been- that you had to like wedge in an abandonment angle, but in the comic, she's never abandoned by her parents. She has to abandon them because she is beyond them. Well, and in the comics, like all the stuff that drives her over the edge is part of the story at hand. Mm-hmm. It's not like latent, you know, Xavier closed off my brain, my parents abandoned me, I only found belonging in this one family. All of that stuff doesn't exist in the comics. In the comics, you know, uh, friggin' Mastermind, you know, infiltrates her subconscious and breaks down all of her barriers in her own mind and, you know, whatever. So it's it's weird that they always feel like they have to, like, they have to damage Jean, like as a person in order to make the dark Phoenix happen. Um, the, the conflict over whether or not to kill Jean is not about Jean in this. It's about mystique. Mm-hmm. Right. That's revenge. And so instead of having the X-Men versus the Shi'ar, you have X-Men versus X-Men and X-Men versus Magneto and whatever his team is called. Um, the Selena scouts. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but 
Yeah, so the, it's a weird choice of changing the chess pieces on that one. It makes yes. it it makes it more like it's almost colder if Wolverine's going to kill her because that's the only option, and it's not because he hates her or because he's trying to get revenge. It's because I have to put this crazy powerful person down because that's it. We can't just put her in prison. She's got to die, and it's like this cool like you know Edith Keeler must die sort of scenario <laughs> right. versus. You know, revenge, everybody can understand revenge. Everybody's mad. Ooh, they're all mad about that stupid Mystique character that I'm glad died in the beginning of the movie. You know, whatever. That was all so strange, though, because, uh, you know, Mystique has essentially no role in this movie other right. than to be like, I don't know, Xavier. <laughs> it's and like Jennifer Lawrence, please get me out of these films. I know. Yeah, she's done. Literally. But yeah, 100%. And fair enough. But she's over it. The whole movie franchise is over it. <laughs> so they like want to get rid of Mystique immediately. Uh-huh. She has no role. There's no reason really for her to be in the film other than to be a person that Jean crosses the line with, which uh-huh. I mean, is useless. You didn't need to do any of that. Um, but you know, like the fact that <laughs> Mystique, the X-Women line, of course, we have to talk about the X-Women line is classic. That was cool. That was that Truly classic Twitter. We right all there. cheered at that. <laughs> that was X Twitter just being like, here's my snappy rejoinder, Xavier. All of the like women have been doing all of the work, you ass. You know, and- not to be that guy, but the opening scene of the movie was Quicksilver and Nightcrawler doing all the work. So it did make me scratch my head a little bit. But it was I cool. mean that was the thing, right? Is is that yeah. like it's pandering because we yeah. haven't it's the same as like the A Force movie and like Endgame where you're just like or the A Force moment where you're just kinda like, This is amazing. I love seeing all of these like powerful women for twelve seconds of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's nice to see Mystique stand up to Xavier for uh-huh. seven seconds you know like that's all really great but what else does she do in the film other than die you know nothing so it's it falls a little flat in the end um that's why people you know it's like you have these moments and people will like go for it and be like haha that was messed up i hate that part you know all of this and it's like mm-hmm. i liked it i liked that part a lot yeah. but i also am like literally like come on <laughs> like mystique is not even in this movie you know you have her like as this spokesperson for everybody who's tired of xavier's bs but <laughs> it doesn't go anywhere so so you know how early in the claremont run gene leaves for like five seconds and then yes. comes back i love then, it like, when she comes back yes and then three issues later she and storm talk about how they're like super besties yeah and we don't really see that happen they just talk about how they're besties right i kind of feel like that's the case with her and mystique in this is like suddenly they're best friends suddenly mystique has taken gene as a mentor mentee role like that they right. also kind of act like their peers but there's mm-hmm. nothing organic to it right like that's the biggest difference is, is that whenever that happens i know exactly what you're talking about because whenever we first see them be friends together is uh when they go christmas shopping and <laughs> basically storm and cyclops are both like glowering and jean's just like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> like it's christmas <laughs> you guys have to stop acting like dicks like <laughs> yeah please and so that, that, that to me was so organic. It was something that was, you know, not necessarily earned, you know, through storytelling, but later we see how much they mean to each other and stuff. So you have an actual trajectory there. So <laughs> as much as there is absolutely a huge gap, I'm guessing that there was a lot of phone calls to the Xavier Institute <laughs> during that mm-hmm. time period. So he's like, hey, best friend. <laughs> like, but I mean, that it's a completely different beast than, you know, and, you know, not to, that's a pun, but an accidental one but it's a completely different beast to have uh, mystique here because yeah they're just like 
yeah, you know how we're best friends, really close, and then I don't like mourn her at all after I like kill her. <laughs> well, this like they kind of set her up in the last few movies about her being like this great mutant savior. So all the right. all the X Men team or the kids anyway looked up to her. In we the last, never see it though, right? In the like last we, movie, we never and, see why yeah. or like, well, because she was saving those. We we see that one scene where she saves mutants from the soldiers. Right, or one in the prison scene, camp. Though. One scene, but apparently she's just been a revolutionary the entire time, and they all <laughs> know her. And like she accidentally appears and you know changes her appearance to her default mode in front of them, and they all gasp, "It's her! It's that one!" You know. And then this movie, it was like that all went away, and they're just besties, I guess. Yeah. Like the world didn't mourn her death or anything. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Every single piece of this is them like rushing through and being like, okay, we got to resolve this. We got to resolve this. We got to resolve this. And it's kind of all in the script like that. Um, it, was, only... it was a little bit by the numbers, definitely. Sure. And like, they're definitely going like, you know, click, 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 let's go. Um, <laughs> and then I, what I thought was ridiculous was like Dark Beast, you know, like Beast who's <laughs> mad, like brooding guy. Because I think like, we've kind of, we haven't gotten fun <sighs> Beast. No. Like almost only, at all. Only, and then, only Frasier. And now we get Rage Beast, you know, yeah. like, which is so much worse. Nothing very likable about that because his empathy is gone. He's just like, I hate her so much. <laughs> and it's just like. I mean, I get it, I guess, but uh, like... Again, another reason Last Stand is better. Beast was more fun. He was more fun in that. I have to concede. I have he to actually made jokes that. and stuff, and when he jumped on people's heads, it was cool. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, Magneto also wants her dead, but he's like kind of funny about it, because at the end, whenever they're like, you wanted to kill her yourself, and he's like, I had a change of heart. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> oh, I love that guy, Fassbender. Whew, I'm yeah. going to miss that guy as Magneto. Yeah. So once again, this is Mystique and the men who loved her. Totally. Yeah. 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 But she's, I mean, she but she's not even in it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I will did say. did not fix like that situation whatsoever. One thing that was different that they haven't done, I don't think, in an X-Men movie is at the beginning of this movie, the X-Men are actually like kind of heroes. Yeah. Well, okay. So um, this socially, is. I mean. This is a little bit of, not to go back to another movie. My one qualm, my one major qualm with Batman v Superman is that the movie starts with a change of a status quo that we never got to see, uh-huh. i.e. we don't get to see the world that loves Superman and Superman being a hero. Mm-hmm. The movie starts with altering that and Lex Luthor hatching his plan. This one starts with like one X-Men adventure being X-Men. So it implies that, like, that's been happening. Like, the X-Men have been being X-Men since the last movie. At some point, everything got happy. Yeah. Well, didn't they start training at the end of at the end of the last movie? No. Oh, yeah. my God. So do we even want to talk about continuity and stuff? Because at this point, it is so <laughs> blown. Because, like, you could almost wrap your head around stuff up to maybe even this point. But, like, Fomka is alive to Wolverine <laughs> and the first class fusion in days of future past and yet now dies in the 80s so it's like what are we doing it doesn't even (laughs) it's just completely blown out of the water and i don't know that you could even go backwards and look i just thought it was interesting i don't think we've had an x-men movie where they're not just genuinely hated all the time but it it starts out here they're like kind of legit superheroes i actually really like the part where they're all walking around in their outfits in the beginning that was cool Mm -hmm. to see because we haven't really seen that and they're getting called by i don't know if it was the president or some sort of space guy to go help them rescue the rescue the shuttle so like they're they're on top of their game in a way. And they're like, even later, everybody's disappointed in them because they were just stinky mutants after all. But 
But like, that's kind of the, like, I mean, so the best thing about this movie, I think is like, obviously we started the deconstruction of Xavier quite a while ago in this film franchise where they started being kind of like, isn't this guy like a little bit questionable? Yeah. Let's hire the creepiest actor in the world to play him. And I know. really get into it. Yeah. And, um, and this, <laughs> it's, honestly, it's a like, mutation. Oh, the groovy <laughs> mutation. I'll never forget it. But that's so, it's so fetishistic. It's such a thing that people do. So like we, I think I was talking with, um, uh, it was on our, our podcast, uh, Bitches on Comics, but we were talking about how basically just the, you know, you have this guy who is a mutant, but he's a passing mutant and he is kind of disgusted by the ones that don't pass. I think we even talked about it on this podcast because, um, you know, there's that scene with, raven and everything but here you know he's taking it to his extreme of being a complete like respectability politics Mm -hmm. kind of mutant so he's just you know i mean if we all like dress really nicely and if we're really polite and just like let them know that we're just here to help all of the time and it doesn't matter if we die as long as they live you know (laughs) like all of that and of course he's saying this from his chair watching everybody else go do it and it's just like the fact that he is like that shitty, even just at the beginning of the movie, I think is a very important note. Um, a lot of people look at this as being like the time when Xavier is just such a jerk. And I was like, well, this was just the logical conclusion to the behavior he was already exhibiting. AKA um, Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, and it, professor Xavier is a jerk, you know, we know about that, but like, um, Kitty pride was right. But, um, Yeah, I just think it's really interesting. I liked actually what they did with him here because I love like certain parts of it. Like whenever he's like, you know, I don't have to fix you because you're not broken. That is a beautiful Mm -hmm. moment that he has with Gene, you know, and then like, I mean, honestly, the part where like they go in and they're having the big fight and, you know, Gene's just like, are you here to kill me? And he's like, Gene, no, (laughs) like, no, never. Oh, my God. You know, like that part. I literally cried in the theater about that because Mm -hmm. it's just like his voice breaks when he's saying that, you know, and he has tears in his eyes. And he's just like, I know that I did a terrible, shitty job of like raising you (laughs) and helping you. I know that all of this is my fault. You know, I'm so sorry, but I'm not going to hurt you. You know, like all of that to me, I think was actually really kind of profoundly moving. Of course he gets a chance at a redemption arc that Gene doesn't get, (laughs) of course, you know, but I liked him in this. Like I thought that he actually kind of had to face his mistakes. He's terrible at the beginning of the movie, but he was terrible in the last movie. (laughs) So I thought that this made it better a little bit. As as much as I complain about James McAvoy, just because I just find him personally a little weird and I can't stand it. I don't know. His charisma, (laughs) his charisma just clashes with me for some reason, but I will say, I think he's, if you look at his overall Professor X arc, he's more Professor X-y than Patrick Stewart, who I love as Professor X. But as you watch it, you go like, yeah, but that's not Professor X. That's just a cool guy that we wish Professor X was. Right. Most of the time. Except Un- for, until the revelations un- of the last until stand. Until last stand where they both share the similarity of locking down her brain without her permission. But like, and And when he did it, it was almost like, that's not even right for the character you know this guy right. would never do that but mcavoy it's like oh yeah i could see him doing that he's been, <laughs> he's been like this the whole time but you're right he does do that fine balance because the problem with xavier is the reason we get mad at him so much is because we do like him and we do want him to be better than he is and right. he always isn't and he always fails and it's like oh dang it dad yeah and I th- I so think- it's he does a good job of that i think yeah part of it is that they're like okay there's so there are two sides to xavier there's there's the really solid ideals mm-hmm. and the humanism 
that he strives for. And then there's the aspects of his personality that lead him to make really bad decisions along those lines. So I think when he's younger and you see this, you know, when he's talking to Gene at the beginning of the movie, you see it more in, in, in the, the first or second film. Uh, he has more of the idealism and more, but like the bad stuff is still there. You just, it doesn't come off as, as bad because he spends more time doing good things. But like over the course of the four films, those two columns have definitely shifted mm-hmm. uh, as far as like in this movie, his idealism and his worthwhile endeavors are more like a party line at mm-hmm. the beginning of the film than what he's actually doing, which is what which is what Mystique calls him out on. Yeah, he deserves to get called out. That is definitely one of the better parts. Um, I mean, that's honestly like one of her shining moments of this entire franchise. Um, mm. But yeah, Xavier, honestly, I, I like this Xavier in a way. Like I thought that, you know, as much as maybe his story didn't deserve quite the level of focus that it got, considering the fact that once again, we're supposed to be looking at Jean's story. Um, I, I still kind of found myself forgiving him a little bit more than I do usually. Like I'm really happy to write this guy off pretty regularly. So <laughs> actually seeing, um, you know, a take on him that made me sympathize because it was like, yeah, your hubris is like out of control, but you know, you have to face that in this movie. Thank God, because otherwise we were going to go through this franchise without him having to face it. And like, I mean, you know, I know that it sucks and everybody didn't want to see like dark Xavier, I guess, but like, I still was just kind of like, I mean, it's the natural progression. It's totally what they already started. They can't go back now, you know? He was pretty dark in days of future past too. He's all druggy guy. You know, know. shut shut in druggy guy who hates everybody and doesn't want to help anymore. So, but, right. but like at that one, they're like trying to get him to be back to the guy he was in the first one. Yeah. Whether they're successful or not, you know, mm-hmm. I guess is up to the viewer. But um, but yeah, I do like Xavier in this. Um, I I remember that there was some conversation around this film about the whole like whether Gene even should forgive him because mm-hmm. it, uh, there's a, there's a lot of conversation about like um whether or not there's any value to forgiving your abuser or forgiving your tormentor. Um, and I didn't know, I don't know that can, that can get to be kind of sensitive areas. I don't know if we want to explore that or not. Did but, she, um, she did, right? Yeah, she did. And I mean, I, it's, it sucks that it's like, that's what the moral of this is. <laughs> like that doesn't really make a lot of sense for sure. Um, honestly, in the comics, they play it really differently. You have a, a character who, you know, Xavier does some stuff, but it doesn't, it's not to this extent. It's not him like literally like blocking major parts. Of course, since the movie franchise started, they've kind of changed it to be more like that. But um, yeah, I think that something that's interesting about Xavier is, is that he is making amends with Gene and that later they have a really good friendship in the comics that is them on equal plane. Like they don't have, this kind of weird dynamic that they always have shown in the movies. There's the, uh, there's the image in the cartoon of her walking along beside his floaty chair. And that's kind of where they often are. So like walking along, exploring the, the dilemma together. Yeah. I think that like, that's the thing is, is that 
people do things that are abusive sometimes without being abusers. I would say obviously in this, like Xavier is in a world where we have no idea, like what the heck else was he supposed to do? You know, Mm -hmm. like obviously don't do that. But like, you know, I mean, he was kind of put in a place where we can't really judge it because it's like, who among us has actually ever been in that situation where we're like dealing with, you know, this telepath who can kill people with our brain, like who, who also has a lot of like emotional tr- problems, you know? So it's like, we didn't, we don't know how to deal with that. I think that like, that's kind of what makes it a little bit different is, is that he's completely out of, you know, like kind of in over his head from the very beginning and he doesn't want to be, and he does everything he can. That doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt her. It doesn't mean that it's not abusive, but then, you know, if we're going to look at the comic ending, she doesn't really forgive him so much as she just becomes his peer, you know, (laughs) like she becomes somebody who like they can work through these things together and stuff like that. Um, And that's, that's the way to go, you know, is to have, if you're going to have that kind of story, because Yeah, I mean, focusing on it so much, I think, is a mistake, of course, and being like, well, Gene, of course, would have to forgive him and like, or he deserved forgiveness because this or that. None of that stuff holds water. Like, none of that is real. You know, it, you you forgive people if you want to, if you can, you know, if it is good for if you. If there's a relationship to be salvaged. If you can grow from it, you know, and you know that they can grow from it. Like, if they have expressed extreme actual apologies if they have actually tried here xavier is never really made to try to get gene's forgiveness and that's kind of what sucks about it right yeah. well also just to compare it to last stand it was he locked her down because she was too pow- quote unquote powerful right uh-huh and this one he locked her memories down and i'm not really sure why and they just got unlocked because she gets possessed by a fiery bird alien thing Right. It's much more arbitrary here, right? Yeah, it's (laughs) like, like, why did he do it? What was the point? He just didn't want her to feel sad, I guess. And that's kind of messed up. See that like, that's another thing is, is that I think Xavier has often teetered on that line of like, you know, he, his relationship with Gabrielle Haller in the comics is really kind of an unethical relationship. You know, mm-hmm. um, these are, these are moments that he has um, and they use his character to examine that a lot to say, if I could make somebody stay with me, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that's a very bad thing to do. You should not do that, you know, but he's a very flawed individual. So sometimes other- he breaks down, you know, on the other hand, maybe Last Stand is worse because basically the symbolism there is let me mansplain to you why you shouldn't be powerful. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, well, you know, there's a lot of way- a lot of wrong ways to go. Right. Well, well, so just 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 to just to advocate for the devil for half a second. Mm-hmm. So he has this child mm-hmm. who has all this power. Whether it's the Last Stand where she is literally unable to control her power, but also we get the impression in this, even though they don't really talk about it that much in the script, we do see that she has a hard time controlling her power under stress. She kills her mom. Um, oh yeah. So if he felt that locking down her power was an important step, then surely part of raising her was teaching her how to get to a point where those locks were no longer needed. And yeah. surely that that step would have been taken before she was an adult woman of legal drinking age who has full agency and control over her life. But he also altered her memory. So right, that, right, right, right. Is that so, part of dampening her power to make her think that both parents are dead? Or was that just convenient for him? Well, her, her dad rejected her. Yeah. So, I, so while, is, that up to, agree, is that up to him to deal, deal with that? <laughs> no, I, I agree it's a bad decision. I just oh, – okay. it's one of those you can like – 
understand but not agree with. Like, okay, I see right, your right. justification, asshole move. <laughs> right. But even then, even if he had done that, he could have gotten to a point when she was a little older. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, she's like freaking 20-something now, probably. But like for, to, uh, My wife's adopted. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times in adoption stories, you have the story of the child who finds out they're adopted. Right. And then they have this like quest to find their parents. My mo- my wife being adopted was never a revelation. Like right. that was always part of the dialogue. It was like, you know, I never told my kids there was a Santa Claus or a right. God for that matter. So I never had to tell them there wasn't one later. <laughs> right. Xavier, you really told Jean that there was a Santa Claus in this story and it <laughs> did not work out. <laughs> But he took it a little bit further because he definitely was like, it was like imprinting the idea of Santa Claus in her brain, <laughs> which is pretty whack. I mean, like, yeah, that's the thing, right? We, You can't justify Xavier. He's an asshole in this story. He's really just not been the best for a while. But he is a character that we look at these dynamics through, right? Like, we have to look at char- like. Through fiction, we have to look at, like, you know, rules of consent, how that changes with, like, you know, things that are emotional, you know, things like that. So I think that he's always an interesting character that you can put in and be like, so (laughs) sometimes you mess up, dude. Like, you know, you're like the paragon saint of mutant kind and you really mess up. And so, you know, I mean, all of those things I thought were great. Uh, Obviously, the whole, you know, you're forgiven. (laughs) Like, that's just absurd. But, and of course, like, that's her first thought, right? And she's like, (laughs) you know, maybe dying, you know, is her to be like, you know what? It's all good. Don't worry about it. It's like the same thing where I'm like, every time, like, like a woman, like, sacrifices her life, she's always like, no, no, I don't want to put you out. Don't worry. (laughs) Like, it's okay. (laughs) It's fine. I like to stay in your recliner. (laughs) I'm having a really good time right now, actually. This is what I wanted. It's fine. (laughs) They also didn't really even have to do that plot thread, so it's kind of cool that they did because it gave her. I mean, they could have just had her possessed and be evil. Yes, and they, not, they did give her not make it a least. reason, but it also kind of gave Beast a reason to go rogue. But it makes me wonder, like, how come the rest of the X Men didn't like all blink and look at Xavier and go, "What the hell, man!" But they kind of didn't. Yeah, like, there Sto- was no Storm doesn't care. That. You think Storm would care if she heard about that? Storm was just like a jerk about Jean. Actually, she's yeah. just like when people show you who they are. You should believe them. And it's like, yeah. okay, bringing out the Mayu Angelou quotes. Like, maybe, maybe, in, maybe in some comic book universe we're besties, but not here. Not here where the women hate each other unless we're mentor-mentee situation that comes out of nowhere. And then as she's saying that line, I was like counting the words and thinking, I think that's more than Halle Berry ever spoke. So True. She actually has a good role in this in that she actually gets to do something. But then, of course, she does get knocked out almost immediately by Jessica. Okay. Shit. Yeah, her, okay. her role in this is still pretty limited. <sighs> Can yeah. I just say that that entire traffic fight was the most boring, <laughs> choreographed, lame-ass fight I've ever, like, in any, any of the X-Men movies? Like, I don't know why, but it seems so slow and weird. And, like, they were having more problems. outside with, the mansion? Yeah, they were having more problems with the cars, than the people they were fighting. Like, and oh, like, shit. <laughs> like, I'm the beast. I can't handle traffic, you know? And yeah. Like, and, like, but the worst part was Storm. I don't know what the class... <laughs> I don't know what the classes are of mutants, but I'm assuming, you know, if there's a class 1000, she's there. Yeah, she she's controls, a mega, a mega level. Yes, she controls weather. And she's fighting a dude who whips you with the braids in his hair. Right. Who has like to be Omega a Omega Red's cheap brother. 
Yeah, he's got to be a class two, whatever that is. And right. she like, is having, oh, I can't take him. He's hurting me so bad. These lightning bolts aren't working. A man fight with his dreadlocks is going to age too well. <laughs> um, I, don't, I think that that's definitely something that even in yeah. the moment we can probably look at and be like, hmm. Like, seriously, sometimes can't they just say something like, seriously, that's your power, and then just, like, kill the guy? That'd be hilarious. Like, why is your power directly related to your hair, and you're, like, one of the only black men that's ever appeared on <laughs> on camera? Ugh, she, it's just... As she then blows a hole in his chest with lightning? That would have been uh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would think something like that would happen. Um, I think that later in the train she has that like yes. the whole sky is made out of lightning but then once cool. again as we say immediately gets knocked out by jessica yes. chastain so. yes which with oh no effort God. she just let's waves her about, hands let's talk about that character that was <laughs> before we go there before we go there though okay we do have to talk about the fact that storm is bobby drake in this film oh totally <laughs> yeah. like i can i can almost accept it in space because at least it was at a distance, and I don't know, there's no weather oh, in space. Right. But when she holds her hand over the glass and puts ice cubes in it, I was like, like, the fuck? You literally just, I, yeah, no, totally. It was like, you're going to walk up to Storm and ask her for a party trick? Is that what's happening right now, Cyclops? Because I don't think that that would be a he, thing. He um, she should have <laughs> blown lightning through his chest, too. He's all rocks. And she just does it. And I'm like, what? But yeah, how does she do that, right? <laughs> She's yeah. an ice maker for you? Like, oh my God. I mean, and I unfortunately, guess she... that's kind of like... So she could like control the weather so precisely that she can concentrate an ice storm in a shape of an ice square that falls into a drink glass? And it's like, sure, Karen, even that's if... it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even if it's like, you can't turn your fellow mutants into party tricks. And that's like the only time that that really happens, well, you know, Ice like Man. Ice man loves party tricks. So that of course of you could so. have Iceman do it, but he is yeah. a doofus on purpose, yeah. you know, okay. like a yeah. beloved doofus, <laughs> but storm goddess. I don't know if I yeah. would be like, Hey yeah. rocks yeah. hit me. <laughs> Remember how I was one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse and like, was trying to bring death to the world. Yeah. I got your rocks right here. Yeah, Jesus Christ. That scene um, would have been cooler if they said, hey, go ask Storm for ice. And then they looked at her and then they went back and said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that, <laughs> that would have been good. That would have been good. If she was standing there by the fire with like no pupils in her eyeballs or something we like that. We had amazing. Dazzler in this movie, but she was <sighs> too good. So they had to clip it. <laughs> like, they were just like, Isn't this Dazzler is getting a little bit. Disco? Yeah, totally. But they were okay. like. This is going for, it was like 12 seconds of music or something. And then they're like, all right, that's like too lighthearted. We've got to stop this. <laughs> something terrible has to happen right that, now. That was a weird, like I already knew that existed because Twitter blew up with that. But yep, of course. It's like that you was can take kinda... like a one screenshot and that's how long she's in the movie. Like, yeah, but it's like such fan service in a way. Like, let's not do anything totally. with this. Although, although I do love that. Allison and seeing her there. I love her. Was... Is like, yeah. oh, she's in the movie. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they would ever have her do in a movie. She's in the this... original Dark Phoenix. She, what she does in that movie or in that story is just to be somebody whose party gets interrupted by the X-Men. And the whole time they're like, you're pretty good at this. Maybe you should be an X-Man. And she's like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, no, I am a disco singer. <laughs> you leave me alone. Like, I'm here to entertain people. I don't know what trip you all are on. I don't want to be a part of it. And yeah, it was really fun. What and if they brought her on the... Go ahead. It was as a movie I was going to be in hasn't actually materialized yet. So my comment doesn't <laughs> exist. What exactly. if they brought her on the train, though, and she had like a 
iPod and she turned it on and the Bee Gees cranked to 11 and she's like, let's <laughs> do this. And then she starts sparking everybody. That would have been the and greatest thing in the world. And she actually had an impact on the alien species when nobody yeah. else could hit them. Like, yes. I would have would loved have awesome. that. I would have oh, loved wow. that. What a missed opportunity. But you And know. also, hey, fun. Sorry, not bleak and dreary, but fun. <laughs> but anyway. We are making this movie better. So not making the movie better, but we are making the yeah, better I can, movie. I can fix it. Sure. Yeah. That's easy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, literally, if they just handed me the script, I would have red penned it and it would have come out the other side looking really good. But (laughs) sure. They never do that, though. It's weird. They never do. They've never called me. I don't know. And I know that I know that Kevin Feige is listening to or figure feeds or whatever. I know that he listens to our show. So he really should (laughs) help make movies. Kevin. (laughs) Come on, Kevin. Don't be such a Kevin. Um, okay, so when I was covering Avengers 4 with John here on our show, I thought to myself, you know who would make a great Vuck? Jessica Chastain. <laughs> she looks just like a walking celery. It would have been perfect. <laughs> I thought that she was Emma whenever I first saw it. I was yeah. like, oh, Emma's How in this. How awesome would that have been? What huh? the fu- like, what? Like, the fact that they didn't, I mean, because Emma's in the Dark Phoenix saga, like, it only made perfect sense for this to be Emma, you know, and kind they, of messing with Jean's head. Like, that's exactly what happens. And there was talk about her maybe being um, Lalandra because, you know, right. why not? Totally. Why not? I but, guess. Okay. So she's an alien, Dabari, which are from right. the comics. And they do at some point, like in the 300s, go after Phoenix because Phoenix ruined <laughs> their home. That's but right. these people don't seem to be going after Phoenix. They seem to be wanting to possess Phoenix. Right. I can't They're quite figure out Phoenix. what their powers are. And all I can't the figure powers. out. Yeah, all the powers. <laughs> like they scrolls, can touch you. Basically. They could touch you and your belly turns inside out or something. Right. And right. like, why do they want this thing that killed their whole home world? And how are and they also say up front, no one has ever been able to possess it before. But then all I have to do as Jessica Chastain is hug uh gene and i can possess it too right or something i don't really get it like they kind of seem to uh uh, uh, <laughs> uh you know go against what they were explaining that was weird. quite literally just like scotch tape 20 different words try to put them all together <laughs> like that yeah. was just complete nonsense i mean all of the space stuff in this movie made no sense they would have done way better if they just left it out honestly I, yeah it, it just seemed like i well i didn't see it coming for one thing because i guess they're they're like the replacement of the shi'ar or something like, like how could yeah. you see it but, coming it but yeah i thought it would just sense. be the x-men versus gene gray and be over and it's like no there's this weird third party and i don't know well the the yeah. one useful thing that is that they're the um they're the exposition. They're the only ones who know what a Phoenix Force is. That's true. Right. Yeah, they're there to like narrate what Phoenix is. See, all of this doesn't make sense, but I will say that like once Jessica Chastain and Sophie Turner were on screen together, I was like not paying attention because I was just shipping it so hard. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, she does a good up, job. Up. And like yeah. they don't, you know, but like maybe they do. And <laughs> so oh, what about her power heels? There were like oh five different shots of her not stepping on somebody like barely missing impaling flesh with her heels yes oh my god yep yeah i I think she did a good job i just don't i don't know the whole thing there was nothing and (laughs) and like everything they said they then contradicted and it was weird so basically they were they were there for the fodder of the train fight at the end i guess someone to beat up Yeah. yeah And I mean, they could have been switched out with like literally anything. I think that it, it just... could have it could have been Jean Grey versus the X Men. That might have been oh, I don't know, super awesome. But okay, <laughs> they didn't yeah. do that once, so never mind. No, it made the, no sense. 
the effect of them like caving in people's chests was appropriately creepy. Like it was interesting yeah. to be like weird and spooky and gross, but not gory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's creepy. Like Jessica yeah. Chastain. I mean, as you say, did a really good job in the role, even though it like wasn't a role. <laughs> like, <laughs> even though there was nothing about this character that like made any sense whatsoever, there was no reason for them to be in the movie. But she was good. I mean, I really loved watching the scenes with her, even though they uh, defy explanation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who's that? Um, we've okay. talked briefly about Magneto, and you said you also want to talk about S- Celine. Is that no? He's Jessica Chastain. That's what we talked about just now. Okay. Well, I'm really uh, sad that I'm really sad that Quicksilver didn't get a third awesome Quicksilver moment. <laughs> but that would have ruined the vibe of the movie. I know because it was awesome yeah. and fun and cool. Even but... Nightcrawler was depressive. He was like, oh, uh, weird. I know. Where, I was. Where did that like, go? What? By the way, he where became a murderer. Yeah, like here's the thing. He's all nice and he's like the innocent guy in the last movie, and he's still kind of innocent in this one. And then in the end. He's like, that was actually kind of a cool dramatic beat. This person dies in front of him. He goes all growly and then just starts straight up killing everybody. <laughs> but then know. afterwards, they don't really follow it up and go, like, he doesn't cry about it or they don't go, like, gee, Nightcrawler, you're really crazy now or anything. That was like, intense. <laughs> that's it. We're never going to see Nightcrawler on screen again. That was it. The end. So I, I feel like this movie, maybe more than some of the others, sort of really wants a sequel because it, like you said, there's lots of people who like do something new or different in this. that doesn't get followed up on. Mm-hmm. Totally. But so, like they it, waste so much space in it too. Like that's kind of the thing is yeah. it's like you watch this movie and it's like, there's no way you could follow this up. You know I mean? Besides <laughs> the fact that it was, you know, such a uh, kind of dismal box office, like the fact that like, you would never be able to follow it up because they wasted so, so much space in this film that there's like nothing else to say. If you didn't say it here, (laughs) like in this two hours of like, you guys literally just going off on tangents about aliens and stuff. Like, I mean, you know, I just, I think that they couldn't, they set things up. They like, they don't conclude them. They knew it was going to be like the last X-Men movie pretty much, you know, like Mm -hmm. the, uh, it was started to look like it anyway. I think whenever they entered, production on this that like disney was buying out you know the the movies um so yeah i mean they must have known that this was pretty much the resolution i think everybody knew that that was gonna be the last other than you know maybe new mutants etc etc but yeah how weird (laughs) like they just gave all of these non-endings i guess all over the place kind of Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. even what's what's cyclops's story arc we don't know he has none. <laughs> I mean, I know there's people who hate Cyclops, but aren't there a lot of people who love Cyclops? Yeah. Isn't like he, I mean, outside of Storm for some people, isn't he like the de facto, like the X-Men leader for X-Men fans totally. in a way? Mm-hmm. So like, how come they keep don't doing anything with Cyclops? It's so weird. They can't understand him. It's like, the that's the thing is so many people who grew up on like the nineties cartoon or whatever are just like, well, that is the most boring dad I've ever heard of. And then they like never follow up on him. He's not boring. He's like, he's sad all the time. His job is to yell Gene. Yeah. but His his life is horrible all the time. He's the most dramatic person ever. Like, yeah, absolutely. Fun stuff. Anyway, it's just weird that they just ignore him so much. Well, the fact that they had this many movies, you know, like, I think that that's like the thing that always throws me off about it is like, we had all of these movies (laughs) to do this in, and you all never gave Cyclops an arc, you never gave Storm an arc, you never gave Nightcrawler an arc, like, these are all 
great characters. You, we don't understand them. You like went back in time. You went forward in time. Like you've been all over the place. We still don't have solid arcs for any of the characters, except for maybe Xavier, Magneto, and Logan. And Magneto's like a little questionable, right? Because he just kind of goes farming. <laughs> like he does is like, uh, I'm just an ordinary man now. Okay. Here in my Genosha. <laughs> and it's just so, like, you're not. <laughs> I really, I like the Fastbender Magneto a lot. I've said that yeah. before. But I got to say with this movie, it felt a bit repetitive from the last one. Like he's isolated yeah. again. He's trying to live his own life again. Leave him alone again. Like, I don't know. Come up with something different. Let's have him build a big giant mutie castle and say, I'm the best in the world. That would right. be cool. Remember whenever I was just like, every time Magneto shows up, he's basically just like, whatever you do, yeah. don't kill everything I've ever loved. <laughs> and right. in this, they do it again. Right. <laughs> like, oh, right. no. Now it's Mystique is the only thing I ever loved. Now yeah. I must do vengeance. I mean, I mean, I did try and kill her last movie, but, but still. Now I'm like, I only am in love with her always and stuff. And like the age thing is no longer a uh, issue. <laughs> like yeah. what the, what the heck? I feel like they didn't give him a lot to do. They did but, not. But maybe he's done with this stuff too. So I don't know. Yeah. He's over it. They could have just given Magneto a movie. That would have been pretty sweet. They really could have done. I thought they were going to do. Or X-Men Origins, Magneto was the next one, right? Or something that like that. That would have made sense. I yeah. would have watched Ma- it. Well, yeah, the X-Men Origins Magneto is what turned into first class. Right. Um, but uh, whenever there was talk, whenever the Gambit movie talk started happening, the Magneto movie talk was also out there. And the, there was there was still Gambit movie talk up until like five minutes ago, I'm pretty sure. I know. Um, it's like I'd they would be, not let the idea go. I'd be down for that too if they cast that same guy, but they won't. <laughs> well, they he won't. was he was Gambit when my kids were toddlers, right? right. So he can't. He's like fifty eight now, probably. He can't be Gambit. <laughs> At least seventy three. Yeah. <laughs> he was so good, though. Dang. He was really fun. I'm never gonna forget him. <laughs> the only time we like Gambit. <laughs> the only time. Yeah, I wrote a good whole job, article. Actor. Like a whole article about how much I did not want to see a Gambit movie <laughs> and like yeah. all of these like Remy LeBeau 420, you know, like on Twitter.com uh-huh. people were like, how dare you? And I was like, you know what? I didn't come here to make friends. I came here to tell the truth. And the truth is Gambit sucks. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what to tell you. Uh, have I told you all my theory about Gambit in French? No. Yes, that he doesn't actually speak it, but oh. he's just kind of like. <laughs> yeah, the reason he always like the writers give him bad French. They sure do. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it's just because he doesn't actually know the language. Yeah. He will watch you, Papa. movies where they go to France. Yeah. And then just steals oh what they God. say. Exactly. He watches movies and like reads books about like cool French things to say and pick up lines. He he searches, you know, picking up a girl in French on the internet and that's his Monsieur. well i guess that that's has something to do with this movie (laughs) i was gonna say (laughs) we're like like out of people yeah Um, i guess we are kind of i mean it's like that's the thing right this is a movie that is literally a train wreck because it does end with a 20 minute long train wreck um they so many plots just kind of scotch taped to each other Nobody gets a resolution, you know, all of the things. So I understand why people are just like, I don't like this movie at all. But I kind of liked it. I knew it was going to be this way. I've sat through all these other movies that I had, you know, just as many problems with. 
and was just like, you know what? I'm going to have a good time with this one. And I did. I liked it. If we can survive 90s X-Men comics, we can survive 2000s X-Men movies. <laughs> good God. Um, well, I mean, as far as first class goes, it wasn't worse than Apocalypse. That was like painful. Right. Tor- yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I don't so, know. It wasn't my favorite for sure. Right. So I've name dropped her a couple times, but I really just have to know. Why was Celine in this movie? That made no sense. Who was Celine? What's Celine? Talk talk about well, okay, so she's in the movie, she's the henchman, Magneto's chief henchman. She has like the shaved head and the really cool look, and she gets thrown out a window or something at the end. Oh, Celine of uh uh, uh the Hellfire Club. Yeah, yeah. Right. So Black um, Queen or whatever, right? Yeah, I was gonna say Sarah, who tell us about Celine. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, in the comics, she's pretty much one of the most boring villains that you could have because she just is a, you know, black cape, thigh high boots um, in the Hellfire Club sometimes has lots of Nova Roma stuff going on, which is always something that, you know, you just wish that they'd close the book on entirely because it never stops being kind of racist. Um, <laughs> but like she lived in Nova Roma. She was one of like the uh, the rulers there, you know, the empress or whatever, and she feeds off of people, right? So she has... And just to clarify, Nova Roma is the Roman Empire colony in the Amazon jungle. Right, yeah. Right. So okay, even, like, ahead. the first time that they see uh, magma, magma's from there, and, uh, you know, she's in brown face. <laughs> so, like, the 80s were a rough time, you know, uh, in New Mutants, often especially. But, uh, yeah, Nova Roma is basically just that. It's like, oh, look, you know, like, here's some really questionable lots of things all thrown together. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's kind of uh, kind of offensive. Um you know, on a profound level. And I think that they've been trying pretty hard to forget it ever happened, but then people just keep bringing it back. Like, you know, nothing ever can go away, even if it's super problematic in X-Men comics. So they're like, here we are again, you know, at Nova Roma. And it's like, please just, please stop, you know, like let it, let it die. Um, But Celine was one of the rulers there. And then she goes through and has, you know, a lot of like various appearances where she's just kind of a bland villain. You know, she, uh, you know, takes up with Madeline Pryor there for a second, doesn't go anywhere. She tries to, you know, mind wipe Rachel Summers at a certain point, doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> like, That's whom Rachel tried to kill, right? That Wolverine stopped her? Um, uh, depends on what, which time. I believe that, <laughs> I believe that Celine, um, yeah, she's, she tried to kill Celine, I think. I don't know how close she got, but then there was like also that time period where she tried to kill the Beyonder. So, uh, Rachel Summers was kind of not having it in the 80s. Um, but yeah, both times, I mean, you know, she was, it was put a stop to. I forgot about the Beyonder part. I remember that <laughs> she like stole into a woman's bedroom and was going to like stab her with a stab at the and Wolverine's like, no, don't stab her. Yeah. Uh, or something like that. But Wolverine stabs Rachel, which is so offensive. But <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. He stabs her to keep from stabbing. Yeah. So, like, uh, yeah, that was after, I think, the Beyonder situation. Because um, Rachel was like, hey, the Beyonder really sucks. We can all agree on that, right? So, hey, why don't we just make a new universe and kill this one? Because this one has the Beyonder in it. <laughs> so, oh. That was honestly, like, pretty funny to me. And I really enjoyed that story. <laughs> because it's like Rachel Summers being like, I could just remake reality and there'd be no be like no beyonder in it. So it'd be a better reality. <laughs> and everybody's like, it's, no. <laughs> it's, 
I mean, if you're going to remake realities, Beyonder <laughs> really the first thing to go because he's not so. that bad. He's okay. She hates him so much, and so it was pretty. It's his funny. leisure suit. His leisure suit's just the worst. Oh God, he's an idiot! So it's not that scary. He is very annoying. Um, but I think that she was just over it. <laughs> She's like, this guy just keeps messing with everybody. I hate him so much. I think I'm just going to remake the universe. <laughs> and it's like, wow, damn, that escalated quickly, I guess. And then uh, she goes through the Siege Perilous and kind of changes a lot. So, but yeah, that's who Selene is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't get that that was supposed to be her, but that, what was, she was uh, the one that was suppressing telepathy in the movie or something like that. She had telepathy. She also had to. Oh, yeah. That was another super dramatic moment in the train or in the traffic fight that I love is the two of them just standing there holding their temples with their fingers. And like, (laughs) that's super awesome fighting. By the way, speaking of mental telepathy fighting, wasn't like Apocalypse, like one of my favorite parts of that movie was the telepathy fighting and isn't the end of that movie Jean Grey like tapping into her true potential and like flame bird stuff coming out and mm-hmm. her killing Apocalypse? So how come she's <laughs> Phoenix before she's even Phoenix? They can't even get that right. Yeah. That, like it's... one movie to the next, the continuity, let's throw it out now. They do not know how to explain what the Phoenix ah. Force is in these movies at all. Well, that has been consistent. <laughs> this is the first time they've actually made it a thing. Usually they just make it her, just to keep it simple. But even when, like, they still don't know how to actually, you know, yeah. it's like, even whenever it's like, it's Phoenix, my alternate personality. <laughs> like, it just, it is all over the place. Like, to what be, Phoenix is, right. where it comes from, what it does, none of it makes any sense in these movies. Well, that's pretty comic accurate, though, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I I have no idea what it is either. Most of the well, time. In the it, comic, it has Phoenix changed. Is, right. In the comic, the Phoenix has, like, actually a pretty long backstory and stuff. So it's like, you know, you have to read a lot of comics. Yeah, meaning, a, meaning, meaning they changed it every five minutes and nobody can figure out what it is, right? I mean, yeah, more or less. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how the X-Men go, right? <laughs> right, like, just right. Just in general. I mean, that is mm-hmm. what the fran- the movie franchise has in common with the comics. <laughs> it, it doesn't <laughs> help that they, they call the Phoenix, they... That it, uh, when the Phoenix possesses someone, they call that someone Phoenix too. That's just really right. makes it more confusing. What Phoenix are you talking about? The Phoenix you about, Five, like you talking about the Phoenix? Are you talking about Rachel? Are you talking about Jean? Are you talking about Cyclops? What? What are we talking about here? Totally. Okay, so that was Dark Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, um, great movie, and and and, and yeah. Mm-hmm. But like like Sarah was saying, it's okay. I, I can see a few more of the problems with it now than before we started this phone call, but I still really enjoy it. I love Sophie and the movie, and there there are lots of moments that I really like um, that probably could have been done better another way, but I still sure. enjoy enjoy the movie. Yeah, that um, was my thing with it, pretty much. But that's well, kind so of the way X Men movies are. We they're 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 crazy, <laughs> but we love them. Okay, since we've watched all twenty eight hundred of these, I don't know the number. I wish I knew the number. We should know the number, but. Do we want to say like what our overall favorite or least favorites are as a wrap yeah. up to this? Because it's pretty much wrapped up at this point because New Mutants is never coming out. <laughs> yeah. So this is it. This is our run. Our reign is over. That's true. I think we should pick our favorite, which we're all going to say is Logan. And then our, we should pick our guilty pleasure, which is not going to be Logan. And then we should say our least favorite. What do you think? It works for me. <laughs> Whoever wants to go first. I can't pick favorites. Oh, you do that every month. 
Okay, I can pick. All right. Okay. <laughs> so I think Dark Phoenix was my favorite just because it was oh, the one wow. where I totally let go. I was <laughs> like, I just don't even care. This is going to be whatever. And just let it happen in front of me. That was like the first time that's ever happened to me with one of these movies. I kind of had to get to a place with it to where that could happen <laughs> by watching all of these movies with y'all. So I made it to the place where I could be like, it doesn't matter what happens in this movie. <laughs> like, we we browbeat you into acceptance. <laughs> exactly. I like Stockholm syndrome, maybe a little bit, but like still in the end, it was the one that I was able to enjoy the most. I saw it in a theater, a big giant empty theater <laughs> with my friend, you know, so we had a good time. You know, I think that that was all really important for my enjoyment of the film. My guilty pleasure, um, as much as I don't really believe in the guilty pleasures, I would say maybe Origins <laughs> is uh, my favorite one. goofy one because it's bad, uh, but it's good, you know, and I like some things about it. We talked about that already, obviously. Yeah. And I would say... Um, the worst one, um, maybe I'm going to agree with you on Apocalypse because <laughs> yeah. it was pretty rough. Yeah. It has some ties. Like, there's some ties. Yeah. You know, like, there's some, some pretty points. rough moments in this franchise. But, you know, for me, that's kind of my list, I would say. I know, of course, Logan is almost like a different movie. Yeah. The Deadpool movies also, I really love. So, I mean, I'd put all of those pretty much like neck to neck with each other. And then this one, as far as just being a straightforward X-Men movie, I kind of liked this one the best. Okay. So I'm kind of like Sarah. There's X-Men movie. What's that? I was just going to say this, this is one of the few X-Men movies that has the X-Men being X-Men kind of totally. Yeah. They're, they're in their outfits and doing X-Men things. So mm -hmm. fighting with each other. <laughs> well, yeah. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Blue versus gold. Um, so I'm thinking, wow, there's a there's a lot of tops for me. So okay. I feel like I couldn't have this franchise without X2 or Logan or Days of Future Past. And then once I've named those, I'm like, do I also want to name Dark Phoenix? Because I don't know, I feel like Dark Phoenix is, is different to those others. But um, But yeah, those four... The Deadpool movies, I almost feel like, are a totally separate thing. Yeah, yeah. and that's just because you know the different the different tone, pretty pretty much different genre of, of filmmaking. Um, but if I were to pick a favorite, it's not going to be Dark Phoenix. It's going to be Days of Future Past. Wow, I feel like that one has a lot of really cool stuff in it that I like. Um, yeah, so that's that's my fave. My least fave, I would have to take a nickel. And paint one side with Apocalypse and the other side with The Last Stand and throw it in the air. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. And I liked, of course, I'm easily pleased. I liked Apocalypse on first viewing. Um, especially the beginning. I think the first act of that film is pretty, yeah. pretty great. Mm -hmm. But then there's like, like we said, there's no second act. And the third act takes five hours. Um <laughs> But then the X-Men The Last Stand is like so many weird decisions. But like you said, Mike, it has some fun aspects to it that make it redemptive. So I don't know. Um, probably my least favorite would be The Last Stand. I don't mm -hmm. know. I don't know. Um, my guilty pleasure? Yeah. I guess probably Origins Wolverine 2. Because like that got <laughs> trashed so hard. But it's kind of like your kid's Wolverine movie. Right. And... I don't know. It's it's fun. It's always amusing. There's not a single drop of blood in the entire film. <laughs> but what about you, Mike? 
Well, if none of us are going to say Logan, just because that's a whole different scheme of reality, I'll, I'll do the same thing. It's weird. I think I still just like uh, my favorite is still X2. I don't know. That's what I came in liking, and I still like it. Mm-hmm. But I also think I'm not going to hate on Last Stand as much as you guys, because although I probably did on the podcast, but <laughs> I know I can rewatch that and enjoy it multiple times. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's like a good, fun popcorn film. I don't think it's as good as one and two. I think it's got some weirdness, but like, who doesn't want to watch Ian McKellen like flip security trucks over and, you know, Rebecca I don't know. Romaine. Roma- yeah, Rebecca Romaine's last appearance. And there's like the big X Men fight at the end full of like everybody's on strings and looking really hokey it's cool (laughs) i don't know but yeah there's also the angel randomly in there for no reason but anyway uh but i'm gonna say i think x-men 2 is my favorite i think my guilty pleasure is probably the wolverine because i really Mm -hmm. like about three quarters of that movie until Mm -hmm. until it goes silver samurai like that could actually be my favorite if they just nailed that ending a little better oh yeah uh because i really love all the bits with uh you know uh What's her face and everything when they're just hanging out? Mariko. And I like that. I mean, I know it's not great for Jean Grey's character, but I like that they made her like this evil revenge ghost that was haunting mm-hmm. him. That was fun, all that stuff. So, yeah, I like that. And my least favorite is probably Apocalypse. Everybody's going to say that. Although, <laughs> if I'm thinking about movies I don't want to watch more than once or often, this one also kind of qualifies. So, I don't see myself watching Apocalypse or this one very much. Mm-hmm. I could see I could see flipping the channel if I came across it. Well, I was talking to Keenan this morning. It's like now that I've seen all these movies again, and now that I've shown them to you, my child, mm-hmm. and now that the franchise is over, I will probably never voluntarily sit down to one of these movies again, unless, <laughs> unless somebody oh, I, suggests it. I probably will. I like them. They're not they're not tight, but I like them sometimes. <laughs> Depends. Yay, um, we made it. We made it to the end. <laughs> Only because they like pulled New Mutants like the football away from Charlie Brown once more. That's exactly what they did. <laughs> By the way, I'm kind of glad because I watched the trailer after Green to do all this and like that's a horror movie, you guys. I love horror I mean, movies. I don't but... do horror movies, so how am I going to get through this if it ever <laughs> does come out? Right. I grew up yeah. on slasher films. You guys are going to be like, what do you think of the film? And we're like, well... My palms looked really cool the entire time. <laughs> the back of the couch had some really interesting I, I, decor. <laughs> I heard a lot of screaming. Did something happen? Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, um, the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything. 42. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so the other question is, where are we going from here? And yeah. we invited Sarah onto the show first to talk with us about... We didn't start with an X-Men movie. No, we, we? we invited her to talk about female. We had her Captain Marvel and Janet in uh, right. Ant-Man 2. That's we're right. like, we're guys. We don't know what to say about females. Let's get a female on here. <laughs> and then turned out she's all super into X-Men. So then we had that awesome idea mm-hmm. that's over now. So you've been kind of drafted for all these things. And now that we have to like start deciding where we're going to go, we thought you should have first pick. Yes. So we obviously have been sticking with kind of themes. <laughs> I would say mm-hmm. that, you know, 13 X-Men movies is a pretty strong theme. But mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of break it up, I have a suggestion of just a one-off. Okay. And let me know what you think about this. But it has been a really long time since I saw Flash Gordon from 1980. Would you be into talking about Flash Gordon? I've never seen Flash Gordon from 1980. Is that a Marvel movie? 
It is. Oh, snap. It's not a Marvel movie. <laughs> we should keep it in Marvel. I forgot about that. It's in it's, the it's title. It's the name of the show. We could de- <laughs> if you had your heart set on it, we can make an exception. We could do it anyway. Who cares? We could do it anyway. Um, But... Maybe we should do it anyway, just because it's like in the middle or something. Like then we can switch over to like the Avengers franchise or whatever. If we, if we do Flash Gordon, that means we can open this up to anything, and that would be interesting. That could be really fun because that is a ton of movies and a lot more subject matter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so just for fun, just for kicks, we are going to. Um, it'll be our April Fools in May episode. Yay! Hey, that works. So Flash Gordon. This is the one with the, ah. Uh, yeah, uh, queen. He's a football player. Yeah. Yes. He'll save every one of us. Now, Sweet. John's going to have to read the entire comic strip line from, for the, I don't know, how long has he go? 40 years? Well, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I've, got the, I've got the first volume. Oh, do you really? Comics. Yeah. Okay. So I, I might actually read some of that before we do the show. Alex I Raymond. Am, I am currently looking at a list of Marvel films and, uh, so besides the Captain or, America serial, the first Marvel Fox. film was Howard the Duck. <laughs> yes, it was, which I've seen, but it's been yes, a long time. I watched it as a little kid. Yeah. Pro- way, way too young, obviously. That might be it, interesting, too. Oh, God. That'd it's be got the, um, what's her name? Leah Thompson. Leah yep, Thompson. Leah Thompson. Yep. And Love she her. Has, yeah. There's the whole scene with her and Howard the Duck. Not okay. <laughs> yeah. Watch it with your kids, everybody. I know. I watched it whenever I was like extremely young and I was like, A, I love her. I am obsessed with her because she is the best, but then she totally uh, has sex with a duck. <laughs> so... Yeah. <laughs> He's well, like a pillow, right? right? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. That's something okay. that I, um, it's so funny to watch that movie at such a young age and then to never mentally engage with that scene whatsoever. <laughs> Cause I'm just like, Nope, no thanks. None for me. No. <laughs> Click. I watched it relatively recently in my adult life. And I remember that it has like, it doesn't know how to end. Like it has yes. several, Indeed. it has several climaxes of the plot. Right. hundred percent. Yeah, okay. let's not talk about Howard the Duck. Honestly. Yeah, not anytime that. soon. That was our Howard like the Duck one. special right there. Yeah, yeah. we're done. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bonus episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's the um, 1989 Punisher movie, which I remember as being Ooh. pretty terrible. But then there's yeah. the 1990 Captain America, which is maybe delightfully terrible. So that is delightfully you know, terrible. Yeah, we can I go was... ahead and. I was so excited for that movie for so long. There's also <laughs> 70s. There's two Cap made for TV 70s movies, too. That's okay. right. And Spider-Man ones, right? And Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, there was a Spider-Man TV show that started with a film-length episode. Yeah. Okay, so the here's Cap what ones, I'm going to say. Two. If, if we go into a Spider-Man series, we're only going to do the pilot <laughs> of that one. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think if we do TV shows, doing like the first episode would be cool. Unless we're doing like some sort of journey. If we ever wanted to cover a season of a show, I think we could split that up into like two episodes and like right. watch half a season over a month and watch half a season over a month. 100%. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but is everybody okay to do Flash Gordon for next yeah, time? Yeah, let's do it. I've seen that movie so many times. Really? That movie, is, the, that movie the, scarred me so bad when I was a kid because there's, <laughs> there's a lot of weird, creepy, bad special effects in that movie. Ooh. <sighs> Have you seen it, Sarah? I, I mean, as a kid, like I, I don't kid. remember it very well. I've seen bits of it. I've never seen it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all weird. Right, cool. Let's do it. This will be my first time. Yay. Yay. All right. Well, um, Sarah, 
I know that it's the apocalypse, but you're still writing. So do you have anything coming out over the next week that will have been new whenever this comes out? Yeah. Um, so today there was an article that went up that was just me choosing some of my favorite moments from the Tank Girl comics. I very recently did a not guilty defense of this exact movie. So you could read some more of my thoughts of why I thought that it was actually a pretty good movie, at least in some ways. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of doing some, I did some binge guides. One was for the poison Ivy animated. So all of the best episodes with poison Ivy, which kind of spans multiple series, just kind of a lot of nostalgia stuff, but having a lot of fun doing it. So. All right. Good, good, good. Um, and I, I always feel like I should turn it over to Mike and say, Hey Mike, what do you got going on? But Nothing. You're just, you're show. <laughs> yeah. the show. That's it. Yay! And I'm I'm barely holding it together, so just stick with it. Yeah, you're doing great. Thanks. Well, over at um, this Transformers show that I do, my son and I are about to embark into the second season of that show. Um, I've almost reached the end of the comics that came out between the two seasons. So if you like to hear a man and his 10-year-old talking about 80s cartoons together, go check out Return to Cybertron, a Transformers UK podcast at tfukpodcast.com. That's my only interesting thing I've got going on right now, besides the show. Poor Wanda. I have been, <laughs> I have neglected that blog for so long, and I feel like a bad Wanda fan. But now it's like, okay, so do I catch up? I'm only stuck in my house 24 hours a day. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next month for Flash Gordon. Go over to the feed and find out what else is on this week. We're talking about 60s Marvel comics on Make Ours Marvel. And Sarah, Mike, thank you again for a wonderful episode. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening.